Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. My name is Felix Chung. And my name is Shay Ashby. Thank you for joining us on the first episode. Felix, why are we starting a podcast? Well, it's because we're famous members of the fab community, right? Absolutely. And because we love talking about ourselves? No one loves talking about ourselves more. <laughs> but, yeah. all jokes aside, <laughs> I know that there are a lot of different podcasts out there, and we each love uh, quite a few. And I know that if I want to get better at the game, there are tons of options out there. And there's also a lot of great casual podcasts out there as well. So I, I still think, though, that um, we do bring something that could be unique. Uh, we're going to bring our perspectives on community building, on being judges, and being ambassadors for the game. We intend to shine the spotlight on local communities wherever Fab is played, on community builders and leaders and to share lessons from our community and to learn from others. Shay, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. I understand that you have achieved the top four of a battle hardened in your fab career. Yes, that's my claim to fame. Um, back in Canadian Nats, the first one, so two years ago, I scrubbed out of the, the national portion of the event and entered the battle hardened. Uh, it was Tales of Aria sealed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I lost my first game to who I considered one of the best players in, in Canada, Eric, at the time. Uh, we went over my deck, and uh, we made a few changes. And after that, I went on a 5-0 run, made the top eight into the draft portion of the top eight of the Battle Hardened, where I ended up um, you know, getting a couple wins to top four and then losing out there. It was one of my best performances, and it was a lot of, a lot of fun playing in Nats. Yeah, I remember watching you, you know, because I, I had gone with you to Toronto and just sweating, watching you make that incredible run, watching you make that draft. I think there were five of us there lined up on the wall, all incredibly stressed out. Um, I mean, it was yeah. stressful in my shoes, too, having everybody watch me going <laughs> like, are they are they seeing things that I'm not seeing? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of yeah. it was a lot of fun to have the support and it was awesome. I mean, in addition to to that, you've you have quite a bit of success locally. I I remember you've you've taken home two gold foils from PQs. You got a, a shiny Anathos that I continue to be very jealous of. Yeah. I I consider you to be a bit of a mad scientist when it comes to finding different decks, uh, identifying them, um, you know, well before they they hit their their popularity in professional level flesh and blood like prism and icelander before they got big um, yeah i mean i certainly didn't pioneer them by any stretch but you know they were archetypes that i was super interested in and paid a lot of attention to and definitely did my best to make them viable and, and play play them well and as we record this today uh just earlier in the day uh, you took home a cold foil azalea from our local blitz skirmish eh? yeah we had i think it's like 27 people or something like that um, I was able to scrape through at three and two after getting dunked on by KO in round five, as as he does. Um, I was able to actually meet him in the top four and exact my revenge, so that was b bittersweet. Uh, yeah, it was it was long hard fought day. You were also there today, Felix. How did your day end up? I, I was there getting dunked on by KO <laughs> at the same time. I I faced him round two and lost, and then faced him in top eight quarterfinals and lost again. I, I really need to pack that gambler's gloves. Uh, I was punished for my greed. Uh, I, I made sure I had spot for gambler's gloves. It's funny to just 
one piece of equipment in my deck list for one dude. But it paid <laughs> off uh, in the end for, for me. So I guess we learned something today. Yeah, congratulations. If uh, there's a tip for all of our listeners, <laughs> yeah. always pack a gambler's glove. There you go. I mean, there's usually sideboard space, right? Mm-hmm. You've also found success locally. Felix, tell me about it. The biggest success that I've had was um, I was lucky enough to take down one of our RTNs, uh, a CCRTN here uh, last year with Ice Lexi. So very, very happy about that. I am generally very lucky. I tend to get at least one top eight in each of our competitive seasons and that is no easy feat here. Um, we have a lot of really, really great players and a lot of players that are great specialists uh, within their roles as well. So we have a really great, really diverse field of, of people that are all threats to, to top eight and, and even to win. I do have a bad tendency of getting knocked out in quarters or semis, um, as I did earlier today. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I am, I am always grateful, you know, um, every time I scrape in or, or hit the bubble as well, it is such a rush every time. I think top eight is a pretty good benchmark. I don't think it's fair to necessarily, necessarily go into an event thinking you can win it. I think top eight is a totally reasonable goal to have. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the great things about our community, I think, is that it, it there's very few people that I think are just automatic locks for for top eight it's quite diverse i would say in terms of not only the type of heroes but even in terms of the players and i'm always very pleasantly surprised in our events that oh hey you know this person made top eight and this person's out this time but i know they're gonna bounce back and i think that sort of parody within our scene makes each of our bigger events that much more exciting so yeah, very, very grateful that, that I have been able to, uh, to get those level of uh, consistent results. Yeah, you touched on it earlier um, with the diverse hero pool that we have. I find that we're very stubborn here locally with what heroes people are playing. We don't have a lot of bandwagon jumpers. Uh, people pick a hero, good or bad, and they stick to it for quite some time, like six plus months. Yeah, and I, I was definitely like that as well, getting started with the game. And I remember uh, when I got into Flesh and Blood, looking at the list of heroes that were available. And I, I saw that the top meta was Chain um, at the time because I got in around Monarch. But for whatever reason, it didn't appeal to me as much. Maybe it had a little bit to do with the cost of buy-in with the Husk and, and the CNCs and, and all of that. But one hero that really did appeal to me was Bravo. And I think for a good six to eight to ten months, I was very dedicated to Bravo. Unfortunately, that meant I learned the game hard-fatiguing Chain, then hard-fatiguing Lightning Briar. Um, it, it was not the best for my development as a player, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun in a very perverse way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we talk about community, we're not necessarily just talking about our local city. We are broadcasting from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, uh, mm. which we we include our local community, um, the entire province of Alberta, all the way up to Edmonton and down to Lethbridge. And we fairly, fairly often have um, people travel from both of those cities, which are 
Lethbridge is an hour and a half, and Edmonton is about, what, three hours away? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. North and south, but east and west is a little bit different. Um, We have the mountains to the west and nothing but prairies to to the east. So our community feels kind of landlocked in that regard, I think. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Because of that, we've really had to develop, or I believe that we've developed a strong community, uh, you know, with friendships and friendly rivals between the cities. Um, and we're kind of like stuck without really high profile events. Um, so we kind of make these as kind of as competitive as we can down here. Um, I know that uh, events on the West Coast are a bit of a bone of contention on the internet these days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I do my best to sometimes stay on top of fab discourse, as they call it. But uh, I don't think either of us are really big into social media uh, these days, which will be interesting because now we're we're delving into this world of of being content creators. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit tough right now. So LSS published a list of their premier events um, for the next four or five or six months. And it seems like besides the battle hardened in Salt Lake City, which we've known about for quite a while here, all of our remaining battle hardened and calling level events are, I guess, not at least not East Coast, but they're on the eastern half, I would say, of, of the United States. And that's led to just some discussions from players in Vancouver, from players in California, about just how underserved they are uh, compared to the people on the eastern side of uh, of North America. I understand that there's some other circumstances. I understand that maybe... Um, Channel Fireball um, is on the outs with LSS. I don't know anything Ooh. behind the scenes. And and SCG, um, which is the tournament organizer that uh, LSS is partnered with, uh, has focused primarily on the East. Again, without any inside knowledge into this, um, it's still not... Um, it's still, you know, very cold comfort, I guess, for, for those on, on the West Coast because traveling is tough. Um, it's tough for, for people in Calgary, where we are, but it's also tough for our friends in Vancouver, in California, and Seattle, and and everywhere, because it's a two or three or four hour time difference, um, and a, a long flight to to get to the, those events. And like you said, for Alberta, at least for us locally, we know we're a small, isolated or somewhat isolated community. We, we've really taken it upon ourselves to make our community as as fun as possible as and as 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 welcoming as possible as well so we we still enjoy the game very much despite maybe each of us only getting to go to one or two of those bigger events uh, per year traveling's expensive and up here in Canada it's extremely expensive to even fly within the country. So it does make it difficult for us West Coast um, people to get up to the East Coast. And, you know, my speculation on the topic is it's a business and they have to make money and the population dictates where the money is and a lot of it is in the East Coast. So, it, like, I mean, I don't like it, but it makes sense if that's kind of like why mm-hmm. they're predominantly out on out in the East. Yeah, absolutely. And 
it, it does get a little bit ridiculous when we know probably Canadian Nationals as well is probably going to be out east. Again, population density. I completely get yeah. it. No no issues at all. But um, yeah, when, when the balance of events just starts tilting too far in, in one direction, we, we get into a bit of a tyranny of the majority kind of situation, which... Uh, which leaves some people feeling very, very underserved while it seems like others get, get a feast, um, so to speak. Um, and it's a little bit sad because we had a great time going to San Jose as a community. Again, because for a lot of last year, um, even, we had Vegas. We had a couple people locally go to Vegas, and that was great. And Canadian Nationals was a long way away, again, out east. So only a few of us um, went there from Calgary. But for San Jose, because California is a much more attainable trip and the time difference is only one hour, um, and we could plausibly get there and only need one day off of work, uh, potentially. Uh, a lot of us made it out there. How many? Like 10, yeah, we, 11? We had 11 from Calgary and there was three or two from Edmonton that made it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an amazing time. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I really wish that that we we could have that kind of experience um, locally um, with the great community members that we have all getting to go on a, a trip like that again this year. But, you know, if, if we can't, if there's issues with tournament organizers or, or anything like that, I understand it's a little sad. Um, and I just hope that... Uh, one of the other organizations can step up and and potentially make make that possible for us or maybe we can have another event in las vegas or or something like that that would be more attainable at the end of the day though that's all right i think uh like i said we're we're used to making do here and uh despite despite being slightly underserved in uh in that respect we we have seen pretty good growth uh locally among our community yeah, constant. Um, you know, we measure our growth pr probably just basically through the Discord, yeah? Yeah, through the Discord, through attendance in our Armory events and in our Tier 2 events and skirmishes as well. Like that, that's how Our skirmishes usually hover around 30 people, I think, and um, mm -hmm. currently we're running four active Armories a week. I know there's a couple of um, Armories being added but i think you know on an average mm. running for a week we're getting 12 people on average to most of them 12 to 18 people like outsiders drafts are getting 18 and blitzes and blitz and cc events have been getting 12 to 14 people which i think is decent for a game that's you know only been around for a couple of years yeah exactly there's there's a pretty big uh peaks and valleys effect when it comes to attendance locally um, of course, when it comes when there's a new draftable set coming out, we're gonna see a ton of attendance uh, to to draft armories, um, especially the one we have on Tuesdays at Ogres. We're we're definitely seeing two full pods plus every week, and we know that's not gonna be sustainable for six months. Um, of course, you know no, as, as time goes on. You know, hopefully ProQuest season or RTN season will spike interest in CC and, and we'll, we, we, we've kept things going between the, the peaks, right? And, and there's the diehards like me and, and you keeping the lights on, so to speak. Uh, not that it ever gets that low, 
I, I genuinely think that, uh, you know, the, the fun and the very inclusive and welcoming community that, that we have grown has kept us grow, going and growing throughout, um, you know, be it the, the Starvo meta or, uh, or right after um, a draftable set release, no matter what happens, uh, we're going to have people coming and, uh, and participating. Besides being a casually competitive player, and a community member. You're also a judge, Felix. What kind of made you decide to become a judge? Yeah, that's a, a great question. For me, it's because when I got into the game, um, it was Monarch, and Tales of Aria was right around the corner. And I was looking at all of the new cards and getting very, very confused about how things work between on-hit and on-damage effects, and what happened if you had two ball lightnings and then used shock charmers and then the opponent had arcane barrier. There were a lot of those types of very complicated interactions that you and the other judges certainly did a very good job explaining. But anytime I see enough of that complexity, I feel the need to want to dive in there and just learn how things really work under the hood. So you can really thank you can really thank uh, ball lightning and uh, replacement effects for for getting me uh, into the comprehensive rules of of flesh and blood, and I I grew to really appreciate the thoroughness um, from which the the rules were written. Uh, I I took the level one exam, passed, and throughout um, y- you know attending the. Uh, the armories at ogres for long enough um when we started getting two tier two events at the same time um and of course you being the judge for shoebox which we'll ask you about in a little bit um i i was asked to judge uh for ogres which i i was more than happy to do and i i found the experience of judging as well to be incredibly fulfilling incredibly fun it was quite i felt quite lucky to uh to serve the community and to facilitate uh the great games that we saw um in those events um and yeah i'm a i'm a level two judge uh today and you know looking to get more and more involved with the overall judge community in canada as well as just trying to be the best that i can for for our community but shave over to you um you are, I believe, the longest-serving judge and you, uh, in Calgary, and you've judged the most events, including our very first. Yeah, our, one of our stores locally got the first uh, RTNs, and he just kind of threw it out to a, a few of the, I guess, more active community, community members at the time and asked if any of us wanted to be a judge. And the three people that were that he asked were all kind of like, yeah, sure, but I kind of would rather play. Um, and so I just kind of, it didn't really matter to me to win or lose in the tournament. Um, so I just kind of decided that, yeah, I'll give the, the judge program a try. Um, to be honest, I failed the first test and I had to do a retest. Um, it really focused on rule or policies and penalties which i was not familiar with at all and i found it really difficult to find and navigate the answers to that the rules to the game at the time were simple because they were basically crucible uh, arc and wtr so there weren't very too many complicated uh, rules interactions um yeah but i eventually got the level one and judged um 
all of the events up until you basically became uh, the second active judge in the community. Um, and nothing but fantastic experience. Uh, we have a very good community. Not a lot of conflict has ever been created that I've ever had to deal with. Um, all of my rulings and calls have all been rules related and not policy, which I'm very thankful for. So I really appreciate our community. And I think a lot of how we've developed our community is the reason why um, I think judging is so e easy on that front. Yeah. I mean, you, you have had to fix a lot of, you know, I, I accidentally drew five cards, judge. What do I do? But <laughs> yeah, certainly <laughs> I don't think either of us have luckily had to investigate anything like I believe my opponent is cheating yeah. or there's something nefarious going on. And, and I certainly and don't like... look forward to that day, but it'll happen. Right. And I think the longer, the mm. more we do that, the more comfortable we'll get, but it's, you know, I'm pretty new to TCGs as it is. So this is a very new concept for me and I'm, you know, there's, it's been a, a lot of learning, a lot of steep learning, but there's a lot of great resources and people and documents out there to, to find those answers in a relatively short order. And yeah, it's, it's been good. Let's, let's put a pin on that comment that you're, you're new to TCGs, but I, I would like to just say that, um, I was very new when I, I attended that first RTN, but from my perspective as a player, it looked like you and the tournament organizer had every single thing under lock. And, you know, af after speaking with you about this privately, but even listening to you talk about it now, it just reinforces to me that at the end of the day, judges are, are human as well, and judges have the mission to facilitate great games. That's the goal. I just want to make sure that people are having fun and the games are moving forward. Um in in pace and yeah that's that's my primarily primary goal when i sit down as a judge is make sure that people are having a good time because these are supposed to be fun events i know they can be competitive and there's definitely um you know monetary gains on the line but at the end of the day it's still a mm -hmm. hobby and i think it still needs to be fun so let's let's go back to something you said a little bit earlier you said you were newer to to tcgs um would you just tell us a little bit about your your background in in games? Yeah, I mean, I've been playing board games with my my mom and my sister since I was a kid, so I've always been fascinated by board games. Um, I played a little bit of Magic in the late '90s, so that'll give you a little bit of a point on my age. Um, but it was all just high school Magic, and not com the competitive scene didn't really exist. Uh, and I dropped that until basically when Flesh and Blood came out. Uh, I picked picked it up. I, I don't even remember where I saw it. Maybe a DM Armada video about the game, and I was super hooked. And this was around, yeah, pre-COVID, but uh, just the beginning of COVID, I think. And I got hooked on the uh, this game without even playing it um, before it came to the before the Unlimited was released in North America. And when I got my hands on it locally, I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, that's 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 really great, and it's it's fascinating locally how many people we have from different backgrounds. There's there's people like us, with a very limited TCG background and more of a board game background. There's people from just a video game background, even, and then of course there's there's people from various card games, not just Magic, but also from Yu-Gi-Oh, from LCGs like L5R, Netrunner. Netrunner. Yeah, which which you're a proponent <laughs> like, of, yes. 
it is an amazing game. Um, and and it was killed too early. Rest in peace, Netrunner. But um, that that was a long time ago. At this point, I I remember going to uh, to regionals in 2013. That was 10 years ago. At this point, time is a flat circle. Share it is. It's a construct. Now regionals. Yeah. What I don't know anything about Netrunner. So what what is the comparison in Fab to regionals? It would be something like a ProQuest, I would think. It's it's very hard to compare because the scale of the LCG competitive scene absolutely pales in terms in size only to uh to what we have here for, for flesh and blood. So we're talking like a fifteen person tournament okay. with people from Calgary and a few people traveling from uh from Edmonton as as well. But um yeah. That that's my competitive background. Um, some LCG stuff and and just like you, um, casual games, uh, board games, um, until discovering Flesh and Blood, as well. Um, many of my f- fondest memories have to do with with board games, even uh, including playing probably a thousand games of Dominion and Race for the Galaxy in university. Blows my mind that you're <laughs> able to put that many reps into a game. So were you even studying in school then, or were you just playing Dominion and Race for the Galaxy? I have no comment. <laughs> now, were you, when you played in university, did you play in like a common, like the commons, or were you in somebody's dorm? Oh, no, we, we, we were in homerooms, so we were, we were in the engineering building, so we're already filled with nerds to a limited degree. So we didn't get too many stink eyes from uh, people that were trying to study. Okay. I know it sounds like a weird question at first, but you had caught me onto this term called third place, and I was just kind of segueing into mm. that. So can you tell me about third place and maybe why it's important and what it is? Yeah, absolutely, Shay. And, I mean, this this concept really speaks to me because it's something that I I became aware of when it became lacking and the concept of the third place is the concept that you need a place besides work and home, which are your second and first places, respectively, um, to basically hang out and be yourself and let your guard down and meet new people. Uh, be that something like a pub or a public park or the gym or just any place that typically has a low barrier to entry where you can meet different types of people from all walks of life, where you can meet people with different perspectives and just have a good time and not have the burdens of responsibility from your work and not have those responsibilities at home. Uh, For example, at home, you might be a husband, a wife, mother, father, you have certain responsibilities, and at work you may be a manager, you may be a supervisor, or you may be an employee, you may have certain reporting duties. All of that weighs on you, um, and it kind of shapes the way you behave. And the intention is, in that third place, you are allowed to be who you want to be, um, free of those, those restrictions or those expectations for just a while. And it was during 
COVID where I really keenly felt the lack of that place because for myself, like many other people, the first and second place kind of blended and the third place pretty much became non-existent. And I tried to make up for that by playing board games over tabletop simulator or trying my hand at different hobbies like more video gaming <laughs> or uh, getting really into driving fake racing cars or other things like that. And none of that really felt too fulfilling because it didn't let me meet all kinds of new people, have new experiences and, and, and all of that. But I feel like I've been talking for a long time now, and I'd just like to throw this back to you and say, I, I, I believe that you um, you owned a, a board game cafe in your, your previous life, and I'd, I'd really like to, to ask you, did you seek to embrace this concept as well when you were when you were planning out your space and, and all of that? Yeah, like I mentioned, I didn't know of the this third place concept until you mentioned it, but yeah. Um, when my wife and I and another set of partners decided to open a board game cafe, it was really about trying to bring people together. Um, you know, as adults, it's harder and harder to to meet people and to cultivate friendships. And one thing that I've learned about board games is when you're sitting down with somebody that's new or maybe, you know, an acquaintance, board games are always there as a piece of conversation. You know, if you have nothing else to talk about, you can talk about the game. It forces mm -hmm. that conversation. And so when we um, decided to open the Board Game Cafe, that was sort of like a core tenant of it is to make the environment welcoming for people to just come mm -hmm. down, come sit down, um, be taught how to play a board game and just get into gaming and having fun over some drinks with friends or acquaintances and, and cultivating new friendships for, for people. And that was really important to us. So, yeah. Um, you know, unbeknownst to me, it was important to have this this third place. It's because of this concept and, and the fact that that Flesh and Blood and our LGSs have embraced this concept as well, knowingly or unknowingly, to be honest. Uh, I have been able to meet, you know, people like yourself. I've been able to meet people who are students. I've been able to meet people who are late career professionals. I've been able to meet people from all walks of life even people who approach playing games in a whole different way some people are very curious from a financial and investment perspective and just play the game for i guess more casually some people are more competitive i just love how we can all coexist and just really use this medium of flesh and blood to all talk with each other make genuine connections we can go on trips together and all have a great time it's it's mind-boggling just just how how powerful this this concept is so shay do you think the fact that for example you and i have more of a board game background and so many of our regulars at armories and and other events have such diverse backgrounds really makes our our events unique i can't say for certain, but I would, yes, I would say yes. I don't have the experience at other events and um, in other cities, but I would say so. Like you alluded to people with video game backgrounds or they're new to TCGs uh, or board games. We have a very, I want to say casual community where, yes, people want to win and they're trying to win, 
but it's not the be all end all. And to me, that makes for a more positive play experience for everybody and the new people that are coming into a game. I remember the first time I came into um, an LGS to play Keyforge, I was super nervous. I'd never done it before. Um, I didn't know what to expect, what the, the people were like, how accepting people are, because I've always heard about elitism in pretty much all hobbies, uh, whether it's board games or TCGs or um, modeling, that there's groups of people that are elitist and they don't you know, accept people, which I, I don't understand because how can you have a hobby if new people aren't coming into it? Those people that are in it can't sustain a hobby on their own. So why wouldn't you want to be welcoming? So I think that diverse background of not super competitive people makes our community accessible to new people. Yeah, and I think even to, to expand on that, I, I think our community does a pretty good job self-regulating to a to a certain extent for example if if i bring the deck which i think i'm i'm best at and the best performing at to an armory one day let's say it's oldham and let's say i happen to win that that day which is far from a guarantee by the way um with uh with the diversity like i said of of what everyone's bringing but if, if i do then the next week i'm more than happy to to bring something spicy, something homebrew, to still have a great time, um, and I know that you embody this this concept to an extreme. I know you have some some truly jank decks uh, waiting for uh, <laughs> waiting for armories. I do, and I I like that. To me, that's fun. Like the the homebrewing, trying something different, trying something fun. You know, at the end of the day, the goal is to get whatever thing off, you know, once in an armory yeah. and that is successful. And having that, I like having that outlook. It makes those those armories that are supposed to be fun, I think makes them more inviting to everybody. But when it comes down to, you know, more competitive events, I don't mind busting out, uh, you know, a strong deck to to play for a win. Yeah, and especially when those out of towners come by, you 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 bet we're we're all busting out the A game to to try to protect our turf. But uh, yeah, it was tough for a while. Them that Edmonton Edmonton crew was pretty strong, but uh, we're uh, we're fighting back. We're calling back Absolutely. some wins. That regional rivalry and and just coming together as a community is is a big part of of what makes the game strong or what makes the game fun for myself at least and certainly a topic that i would love to explore more in the future when you won did you win locally yeah it was it was locally we we have to defend our own turf before uh attacking <laughs> i like that we have this rivalry because at the end of the day it's it's a fun rivalry we still i don't know how the edmonton crew feels about it but we down here definitely do this calgary versus edmonton thing um but at the end of the day it is in jest and it is for fun but we you know it is nice to have a little bit of competition they were they were really stompy on us for a while uh but uh it was embarrassing how bad we were getting crushed (laughs) (laughs) and we don't even we don't talk about it publicly no no, but uh, things are much better now. We've we've picked it up, and certainly yeah. when it comes to motivating communities and and building a good, healthy, 
and and positive team spirit because of course there's a way to take this on negatively i i truly believe the way that we've embraced it as a community has been very positive and would would love to have some of the the edmonton folks uh on our podcast as well to just uh just chat it up a bit yeah i'd be interested to get their perspective on how they feel about you know the game their community as well as this foe or real rivalry that we've created yeah and one of our our key missions here is to shine the spotlight on communities all over which which play flesh and blood and of course we'll we'll start with some of the communities that are are closer to us and that we know of but we would love to to shine that spotlight all over Thank you for joining two amateur content creators on their first episode of the IP2 podcast. You can find us on our socials. IP2 podcast on Twitter, IP2 podcast on YouTube, and IP2 podcast at wraith.social on Mastodon. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.